This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to your latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast. I'm your host Christian Walsh. I'm absolutely delighted to say I am joined with the Liverpool correspondents, both home and away, I'm Pop World regular, <laughs> James Pearce. How are you, James? Very good, Chris. How are you? You okay? I'm not too bad. Did you end up in Pop World last night? No, no. I was tempted, but um, with an early start today and, and doing the school run, I thought I'd better be good and uh, went back home and, and watched the game again instead. Do we want to just explain to any listeners who aren't uh, regulars to the Liverpool nightlife <laughs> about what we're on about here? And then well, we can you... probably call it a day because that's all we're here for, isn't it? <laughs> Chris, I think you you know more about Pop World than I do. I do. But, um, yeah, it's how how would you best describe it? As it's a, like a 90s bar in the Liverpool City Centre, and it yeah. brings an eclectic mix of uh, people in on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I suppose it's open seven days a week. I'm not selling it to anybody. Um, <laughs> you have got shares in it. I've got yeah, exactly. Slid into the DMs today. Uh, it, it, it's a wonderful place, isn't it? Where which plays you know such hits as Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Moana bit of Chesney Hawks Chesney Hawks it's exactly I mean it does what it says on the tin pop world it is pop, pop, yeah. it's, it's almost like a, a, an adjective now isn't it it's just yeah. sort of it is what it is it tends is. to be where an echo night out ends up doesn't it yeah when it gets a little bit heavy yeah um, so yeah I was I was in there a couple of Saturdays ago and uh, yeah I didn't realise at the time that they must have had a, a pop world uh, snapper going around taking pictures of people popped and, the, uh, I don't yeah. know, James, you look quite happy to be on that <laughs> <Yeah>. picture. <laughs> that was the Peroni smile. <laughs> <laughs> a five pounder pop. Um, so no pop wheel for you. Any pop wheel for my other guest, uh, Kiva O'Neill, now with the Echo full time. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, yeah. Um, pop world always, yeah. Pop world always. But <laughs> I not mean, that. it's one of them you don't really want to, but you do and then you get pictured like James and <laughs> the evidence is there forever. And then the fear the day after, that unshakable, <laughs> regressible fear. Uh, there was no fear at Anfield last night. Um, Liverpool won 1-0. They're into the last 16 of the Champions League, James. I don't know what anyone was ever <laughs> worried about, to be honest. Like, it, was, it was a pretty routine day, wasn't it? Oh, God, it was you know, It was a great night. Um, Klopp I was at Anfield, obviously, for Klopp's press conference the day before. And he, you know, he said, you know... I've told the players that, you know, as long as nothing major happens with refereeing decisions or whatever, we'll get what we deserved. And in the end, Liverpool did get what they deserved. There's no doubt that over the course of the 90 minutes, they deserved to, to, to go through. It was a massively impressive performance, I think, considering the, the calibre of the opposition and the experience that Napoli have got. You know, Liverpool showed amazing maturity and control to to boss that game for huge periods. Um, it was just unbelievable that, you know, we we were still talking at the end about you know a a world class save from Alison Becker and his value to the club because it really shouldn't have come to that you know Liverpool, I know two 0 wouldn't really have changed anything because of the dynamics of the qualification but Liverpool should have been three or four up with the chances they created they were they were so impressive and especially second half I thought they really stepped it up um, you know you wondered whether Klopp would kind of stick or twist um, but. Yeah, they just created chance after chance. And, you know, I think Sadio Mane was probably the most relieved man inside Anfield <laughs> when Alisson kept out that chance from Milik deep into stoppage time because, um, yeah, you know, it was, that, was, that was a huge moment. But, you know, Liverpool should have been home and dry by then. Kiva, we'll talk about the uh, save in a little bit. We probably could record the entire pod on it, to be fair, but we won't say. We'll just talk That's about it later. Welcome to the Alison Becker save yeah. pod. Um, you know, James mentioned about the maturity there. How how impressed were you in, in the way they 
play that game in the sense of nil nil one nil and then they knew what to do despite the fact that it was all in favour of Napoli because a goal for Napoli would have changed everything. A goal for Liverpool, as James alluded to, didn't actually really change anything. So it was all really stacked in Napoli's favour there, which made it easy for Napoli to, to know what tactics to adopt. But for Liverpool, it was a bit of a, well, did they stick? Did they twist? What did they do? You know, How impressed were you by by what they you know produced there? Yeah, I was really impressed. I think it's a bit weird, the game like this, because you just do need one goal. But Liverpool... I think we've learned over the past seasons we can't just keep attacking, we have to defend as well. And obviously we've got Van Dijk players that can defend. Um, but we obviously get the goal and then we, we don't need to score, but it's just in us to keep keep attacking and keep looking for that next goal. Because you think if Napoli score, then we'd have to score too. So that's kind of always in the back of your mind. But I wasn't worried until like 70 minutes and then it's getting into that last sort of 20 and you just kind of like then 80 and you're just waiting for like this big moment to come for Napoli. Obviously, we're going to speak about the save and it does come, falls to Milik and, you know, the rest is absolute beauty, history, <laughs> everything, just the world right there. Um, but yeah, like Mane could have had about 100 goals, couldn't oh, he? I know. I just don't know how they didn't go in. I was just like, we just do it the hard way. Liverpool always do it the hard way and Mane will get in them. I think he was probably just missing... On purpose, just like, <laughs> like at one point, I was just like, no, that's ridiculous. Like, he, he's got to score that. Well, I, I know you're joking there when you say he's missing on purpose. We're not saying Sadio Mane was missing these chances on purpose. No, he loves but a goal. He does love, you know, but I, I was thinking at the time, and I, I don't, so I don't think this is hindsight talking, James, but in a weird way, I think it suited Liverpool to be at 1 0 rather than 2 0. Because I just, if you remember when Salah scores, Liverpool have a really rocky three or four minutes there where their heads have sort of gone off a little bit. I just think if, if Liverpool have got a second lace on, you just don't know how the dynamic changes. And in, in a weird way for Liverpool, it, it was shooting them that Mane was putting the ball out for a goal kick because it was almost, you know, Napoli didn't have a kick-off. So in a weird way, it sort of suited Liverpool how the game actually developed. Yeah, you're right. It would have been a strange kind of reaction, wouldn't it? I think if Liverpool had got a second, because, it, you know, obviously there would have been delight, but by the same token that knowledge that it didn't really change anything. I suppose... The halfway there, to, if it's 2-0 and then 2-1, they only have to score yeah, one, but still, yeah. when they get to later on, that doesn't yeah, really matter. Yeah, it's still on a knife edge, isn't it? But, yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, Liverpool should have scored a second and a third with the with the chances they created in that in that second half. I mean, I, I, thought, I thought what was most impressive was the fact that, you know, Ancelotti made three quick-fire changes because he knew that they didn't even have, weren't even close to getting a foothold in the game. And still, you know, Liverpool, their vice-like grip on that game just didn't loosen. Um, you know, the, the control we talked about before, you know, completely kept them at bay. And I think, yeah, the fact that it stayed at 1-0 probably did just focus minds, the, the fact that they knew, you know, what was exactly what was at stake and what they had to do. Um, but, you know, as Kiva said, the problem is, I think everyone in the ground knew that when you miss that many chances... Napoli, despite not really ever looking like scoring, they were bound to get one chance, and and sure enough, they did. Talk about the, the vice like grip there, James. The midfield have got a big part to play in that, haven't they? And I'll admit, I think you were the same as me as well before the game. You see that midfield, and you go, "Is there enough creativity there?" Liverpool have to win this this game of football. They probably have to score more than once. I mean, it didn't transpire that they did, but you know they've had a lot of. A lot of brickbats over the past couple of months. Wan Aldum, Henderson, and uh, Milner. Not necessarily as individuals. Henderson has, but as a trio, it's, it's certainly been you know, lamented every time that the the team sheets dropped. How big was that for them? And and and, and was it sort of justification for for Jurgen Klopp? 
Yeah, I think you've got to give Klopp a, a huge amount of credit. I think tactically he got it absolutely spot on. I think we talked about it in the pod at the start of the week that um, I think it was with Joe Rimmer then. He was saying that he thought Klopp would go at attacking and try and blow uh, Napoli away. But I always thought just with the way that the the way that the game was set up and what Liverpool needed to do that I thought he would would revert back to a more cautious pragmatic approach because there was no need to go chasing the game and I think you could tell from the way that Klopp was talking in the build-up to the game about his respect for Ancelotti's team and how dangerous they're on the counter that you know he was never going to overcommit players you know he made sure you know Liverpool had such a ridiculously strong bench last night he knew that if the goal didn't come then he could bring on a Cater or a Shakiri or a Sturridge in that in that second half. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, as soon as I tweeted out the team last night, you know, every single reply was, you know, oh my god, we're going out. You know, can't believe he's picked that midfield. Where's Fabino? Where's Cater? Um, because you know they are they are maligned at times. That trio of Henderson, Ronaldo, and Milner. And there's been times this season where they haven't delivered as a team. You think that that was the midfield in Paris a few weeks ago in Liverpool created next to nothing but I think people are too quick to overlook there's also the midfield that led Liverpool to Kiev you know and and that started those you know those massive games that Liverpool had in on that journey to the Champions League final so and Klopp got exactly from them last night what what he wanted in terms of you know they just worked so tirelessly as a unit to cover space um really intelligent with the way they they pressed the ball the way they won it back and they just they they were the key to Liverpool remaining in control of that game they actually got better as the game wore on as well didn't they because you know first 20 minutes was a little bit frantic but towards the end of the game I mean Milner had gone off at that point but Henderson was everywhere Wan Alden was breaking forward and showing that creativity that he is capable of you know is this the sort of performance you think that where fans might hopefully remember now next time they see it drop and, and those three are starting together? Or do you think it's it's just one of those midfields that works maybe in Europe and not domestically? I think, like James said, it's a sort of trusted midfield and I wasn't too surprised to see them there because Cater and Fabinho haven't sort of been moulded yet into like what Klopp wants them to sort of be, where, you know... Milner, Henderson and Wijnaldum are very much Klopp's players and they very much do a job and he knows they're going to go out tonight and do exactly what I want them to. They're going to play where I want them to. They're going to pass and, you know, they're not always going to have the best performances and we've seen that over the season. It's sometimes Wijnaldum's had a better game, Milner hasn't played as good as he normally does or Henderson's come under a lot of criticism for different things. But, you know, I think they they done the job last night and then we sort of seen them, like, Cater and Fabinho come on and this is sort of like the future and I think come the end of the season we'll definitely have they'll have more of a foothold in that midfield but we have to say you know this is our tried and trusted midfield and we like you know they've done a job for us last night It's one of those as well where against maybe a Burnley or a Bournemouth you can maybe have a little a couple of teething problems in midfield and you won't get punished whereas a game like that you do sort of need the three who are exa- you know exactly what they're going to deliver to the absolute letter. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's why Klopp's gone for them. You know, like James said, they got us to the Champions League final. We can't forget that these are you know good players, absolute professionals. <laughs> good players, yeah, and really know. good players. Like when Alden's been one of my favourite players all season. I think he's been brilliant. Um, so yeah, they are good players, and you know we will see more of Fabinho and Kayser and the rest of them come into the team. Obviously, Oxley Chamberlain to return and stuff like that. But yeah, these are our trusted players and we will see them throughout the season, of course, and be happy to. 
we'll you know we'll sort of touch upon I suppose the three big instances of the game then first James uh, we'll start with the, the the first one Virgil van Dijk that challenge on uh, Dries Mertens now don't know about you but I thought it was in real time from the press box looked a phenomenal challenge yeah um, you look back at it he wins the ball and the man gets the yellow card and feel that absolutely apoplectic at what the at what the referee did Carlo Ancelotti wasn't happy afterwards said there should have been a red card you know what What's your take on it? And, you know, ultimately, how good is Virgil van Dijk? You know, that's what it'll lead on to because, again, yeah. you know, he's, he's he's on a tightrope there for 80 minutes yeah. and didn't put a foot wrong. I mean, I thought that the Slovenian ref was absolutely off his head, wasn't he? I mean, he gave some crazy decisions. You can say that the... now that Liverpool are through because yeah. you don't want to be sour grapes if they yeah. don't, but, I mean, you know, my he... God, he was abysmal. Yeah, yeah. I know, thought I... he was wearing a Napoli top under there. I was <laughs> thinking, what is going on? Four, four, four games, four defeats. Now, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not accusing them of but you do wonder like in terms of how yeah. how how can someone be that bad yeah i mean there were some baffling decisions although in actual fact i think he actually got that one absolutely spot on like like yeah. you first of all and like most people inside anfield i couldn't believe he'd even given a free kick because you, you see van dyke play the ball and from where we were you didn't you know then, then when you watch the replays and you think actually he has caught him he's caught him with his studs around the ankle and yeah, you know, you know, I don't think you you can't say just because he played the ball first, it doesn't matter what happens afterwards. Especially after the conversations we had last week about Klopp's complaints about Burnley, you know, you can't you can't be too hypocritical. Um, so yeah, I think I think a yellow card was right. I, I heard obviously what Ancelotti said afterwards about he thought he was lucky to stay on the pitch and that if there was VAR, he would have got sent off. I, I don't I don't see how that's a red card offence. There's no you know there's nothing malicious in that. You can see clearly that. You know, he's slid in, he's played the ball. Yeah, he has followed through and caught him, but there's absolutely no intent. It's a, it's a yellow card, right decision. Um, and, you know, Van Dyke spoke to him afterwards in the mix zone and he, you know, he was, he said, you know, it was absolutely, you know, uh, you know, yes, he caught him, but he certainly, certainly didn't mean to. And he, he, as far as he was concerned, it was, it was the right call. Um, in terms of how good he was, yeah, I, I, mean, I gave him man of the match. I think, I thought he was just absolutely immense from from start to finish yet again and you run out of superlatives to describe him really because um yeah he's just he's just an absolute leader isn't he the way that the way that he marshals that back line you know another another clean sheet um you know and you know having him and Allison of just Liverpool are now such a different force in Europe compared to compared to last season best centre back in Europe yeah, Volta Dose. You could play anyone next to him and, you know, he would be absolutely... He just mops up, doesn't he? You saw that last night, like, everyone was praising Matip and Matip was brilliant as well, I thought. But without Van Dijk there, you don't know what kind of... If it Lovren and Matip, I don't know, do we have that game? Just Van Dijk is great and it's such a blow, obviously, with Joe Gomez being out because they have forged a real partnership. But at the same time, Van Dijk is a world-class defender that can make those around him be as good as him yeah, uh, a great could, quality isn't it I think he could make me look <laughs> league, one, league one standards I don't know about that well, <laughs> league, league two maybe um, yeah, it, it, quite funny as well that the, 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 well, it's not funny because he, he was here but then he was okay but Therese Mertens was, was the man who was on the receiving end of that challenge and uh, he flapped his gums a little bit before answer to the times didn't he and made the, the cardinal sin of 
poo-pooing the Anfield atmosphere and um, bizarrely said that he didn't think it was that much because it, it was pretty quiet when he played there for Utrecht in <laughs> 2010. Strange that, that no one no one was up for that gigantic game against Utrecht. If you remember that, that was the game where there was the, 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 the kids the kids went was free. That, was that nil-nil? That was the nil-nil. Dead rubber game. The kids oh. the kids went for free so any children any child was allowed in for, for nothing which was a great initiative. It was also the, the if you remember um, Roy Hodgson promised everybody oh, that Torres, that Torres would, play. would play and Reina would play and then just didn't play them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, I remember. So no wonder then, it was quiet. Then he, he had to apologise afterwards <laughs> yeah, didn't he? for not because, playing the players. Yeah, but he, Those he, the, days, my the, great excuse, <laughs> the great excuse that Hodgson came out with was he said uh, the medical staff pointed out to me that if Torres had played, there was a chance he could have got an injury. So it was, it's amazing that the, the a player could get yeah, injured if they play football? a game of oh football. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously saw that you know the nonsense that that Mertens had come out with. And, you just wonder when people are learn, won't you? To just you know, there's been so many examples, even in recent years, and they would you know Nagelman, um, Sane, yeah, Neymar, yeah, yeah, Neymar. Tuchel, you know, and you, just, you don't under you know it's people keep on being left with egg on their face. Because, I remember Matthias Kesman doing it in 2005, yeah, you know, way yeah. back when the Chelsea striker. Yeah, I mean, Anfield was absolutely rocking last night. It was cloppered. You know, I think it was only about an hour after the game at Bournemouth on, on Saturday when Klopp was speaking to the Monday papers and straight away you could, you could tell, you know, that was what he wanted to talk about. He wanted to talk about, you know, rallying the, the troops, the call to arms for Tuesday night. Um, and, you know, those fans didn't disappoint him because I don't, I don't think it was a night necessarily when it wasn't one of those, like a Villarreal night where the opposition crumbled under the, under the kind of the energy from the stands transmitting to the field, because I think, it was a night when Liverpool's performance did that, but there's no doubt that that, that soundtrack, you know, pro- provides the inspiration f- for for Liverpool players to find more. It was a lovely little back and drop, wasn't it? I just want to say it reminds me of, you know, on FIFA where it says like, and you go to a press conference, like unnerve or praise. And I feel like Ancelotti's gone, right, you say that and then we'll unnerve them. But <laughs> they need to stop doing it because it doesn't work. It, it is. It's I'll a keep doing it and it'll fuel us. Yeah, exactly, well, exactly. Anytime that somebody comes out with it now, you go, right, okay, that's fine. We're going to get another good Anfield night. Uh, move on then, I suppose, to to the goal, to Mohamed Salah. Uh, Koulibaly I think I tweeted two minutes before the goal that Liverpool wouldn't come up against the best centre-back this season um, two minutes later he's, he's pretty much on his backside <laughs> seeing the ball go in again you talk about superlatives for Virgil van Dijk I mean good luck try and get some fresh ones out about Mohamed Salah yeah <laughs> I don't think I can Yeah, I was sat there last night desperately trying to think of some um, but no it was Again, it's one of those goals that he's just created out of nothing, really. You know, nothing really looked on. I think it was Milner that rolled the ball into him, didn't he? And I think it was interesting. Klopp said the other week about, he was asked, what is the big difference in Salah? And he, he kind of said that confidence in his own body again. And I think, you know, I think he felt that although the shoulder, you know, had healed as such, he just didn't have that kind of, that same kind of physical presence that we saw last season at times because um, and that ability to just roll roll defenders and you know that was there in abundance against Napoli Uh, I think it was Rui wasn't it who he he just shrugged off on the edge of the box and you're right Koulibaly for what for half an hour had been absolutely exceptional and you know I think there'd been a moment a couple of minutes before where Salah had gone down in the box and had been housed for a penalty and you look at the replay again it was like a brilliant tackle from Koulibaly who is a class act but you know even he had no no answer to the, the awe-inspiring brilliance of of Salah on that occasion, and he darts around him, and then you know I think 
you know, he's completely done Ospina, hasn't he? I think Ospina, because he, he gave him the eye as if, you know, I think it was Mane that was lurking at the back post. So Ospina's, you know, just, just shifted a little bit, expecting him to knock it back across goal. And he's just slipped it between his legs from the tightest of angles. And, um, you know, again, you know, Liverpool's Liverpool's match winner on a, on a, on a massive night. Do you think it is a moment that sort of changed the season around? Or do you think it's just been an accumulation that, you know, he, he's, he played against defenses such as Huddersfield and Cardiff and Red Star Belgrade. And do you think maybe coming up against these physical defenders and he's sort of maybe taken a few knocks and realised, actually, do you know what? My shoulder's still attached to my body here. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. Do you reckon sort of getting knocked around a little by these more, not to be yeah. unfair, agricultural defenders as sort of click to switch in him and now as you say he looks stronger he looks fitter he looks ready 50-50s he's winning 30-70 sometimes he's winning in, in the other players favour it's, it's it is a transformation on that level yeah, isn't it yeah I think it's just been a gradual process and I don't I don't think there was any I don't think there's been any one moment you could kind of point to and go oh you know that was a light bulb moment for him where his season suddenly became alive again I think I think it, it has just been you know gradually over probably the last four or five weeks that We've just seen him get back to his brilliant best, and certainly now you'd have to say this is the this is the Salah of last spring in terms of the performances he's delivering. Because you know he absolutely tormented Napoli's backline, you know. And when you think we're talking about the, the second best team in Serie A um, and the the caliber of players they've got back there, you know that that just shows he is at the absolute pinnacle of European football. It's a scary prospect, isn't it, Kiva? Because Ultimately, Liverpool at top of the league into the last 16 of the Champions League. And only now is Mohamed Salah starting to show the form that he did last season. So, I mean, it, there's, there's probably never been a more optimistic time to, to be a Liverpool supporter. Yeah, but like we've got here, we've sort of tussled to it. And then the Bournemouth game for me was sort of like the, right, it's sort of clicked now better than it has done all season. And Salah clicked as well. Um, and then obviously against Napoli. So... It just it just feels good that because we have sort of just like I say tussled to sort of this point we've won all these games we're unbeaten in the league you know the Champions League away games they were like sort of the blip of like bad performances which has probably helped us in the league almost to sort of you know want to right a wrong um, but yeah like I feel like the team have an effect on Salah as much as he has an effect on himself as well I feel like the positive performances like against Bournemouth would help him, you know, he takes over the match ball, but the team sort of play, are all playing with a better energy, looking like the Liverpool we saw that got us to the Champions League final last year, that attack and sort of red arrows running forward. And we looked every much as bit of that um, against Napoli last night. I mean, it's a little bit more enjoyable, isn't it? Because, you know, there's been moments this season where, you know, Sturridge's equaliser against, uh, against Chelsea, obviously a couple of early wins against West Ham Palace, but, because of the, the way Manchester City have started and the way, obviously, the the away form in the Champions League has gone, it's felt a bit of a slog. But probably ever since Divock Origi's headed against Everton, since then, so you look in the past 10 days now, it feels fun again, doesn't it? It feels like it, 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 it's a real joy to, to watch Liverpool and you feel like, you know, it, it, football is, is enjoyable again, even though they were second and even though they were enjoying one of the best ever starts to, to a league campaign period. This feels like a little bit more like the, the the team of early 2018. Yeah, and things can only get better, really, because you know, like you say, we are. It's the best ever start we've ever had ever as a football club. Like that's just magnificent. That's amazing. So things can only. I mean, obviously, we can get beat or whatever, but we've we've got a really big game now against Manchester United. We beat them, then like. 
Merry Christmas. Like, <laughs> well, the chips are wolves. That's that. that that'll be yeah, little Christmas presents. But yeah. we, we, mad, mad Friday. But yeah, I know exactly. Um, okay, we'll talk about it. The save. People on Twitter are now saying it's not that good. Um, <laughs> it, it always happens, isn't it? it, it, it full it, circle. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like actually, if you look, I, I I put it in my ratings and I stand by it. It's still one of the best saves I've ever seen, just because of the context of it, the importance of it. And just, just the way, from our vantage point there, because we look left towards the Anfield road end, that was it. I, I pretty much typed in, I'd done an Ian Doyle, I typed into <laughs> Twitter at 1-1 already. Where does he sprout from? Where, where, it's like Inspector Gadget with his limbs. Where where does it come from? And, and bloody hell, how good is Alison Becker? Yeah, I think, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think in some people's eyes, it's like if the keeper's not at full stretch, at full stretch to make a save, it's not a... A stunning save but you know part of being an absolutely elite level keeper is making sure you're in the right place at the right time and is and also I think you know, you'd have to say Milik should score you know from from there you know he should, but the thing with Allison is he his positioning is so good and he's so alert to what's going on around him and he's so big I think he, he just makes the goal look smaller for attacking players and you know he did he certainly did that with Andre Gomez and the Merseyside derby when you know, I think it was was it Walcott nods it back across goal, and you're thinking, well, he can't not score. You know, he's got so much of the goal to aim at. But again, you know, Allison is in the right place at the right time. That's not that's not a fluke. That's not luck. You know, very very few goalkeepers in world football who make that save last night. And you know, yeah, yeah, the ball hit him. But that that's that's what top <laughs> goalkeepers do. They make sure that they they get something in the way of it and and keep it out. And you know, it wasn't even just that save last night. Really, it was the way that he, you know he's so alert to commanding his penalty box coming off his line dealing with things you know the way that the way that he instills confidence in the players ahead of him uh you know van dyke talked about it afterwards about you know when you when you know you've got someone with that kind of presence behind you the the, the assistance it, it gives to everyone and there's no doubt that not having a top class keeper cost liverpool the champions league final last season you know regardless of what happened with loris Karius with his concussion the fact is he was nowhere near good enough and, and and that weak link got exposed in Kiev. But but now, you know, Klopp has addressed that biggest weakness in the best possible way because I don't think you'd swap Alisson Becker for anyone, would you? And, you know, as Klopp said after the game, you know, if I'd known he was this good, I'd have paid double. Which <laughs> um, Obviously, he was joking, but... Was he? <laughs> well, I think the, the, that's the thing, isn't it? You're suddenly looking and go, well, actually, do you know what? In, in modern football now, 130 million... For someone who, you know, when you think where Allison could take Liverpool this season, you know, it's you know, it, it wouldn't take that long to, to repay that fee. I mean, you think of what he's done for Liverpool already this season, just in the last fortnight, what his contribution in the derby at, Bo- at Burnley, you know, he, he with that last minute save and then the throw out, he turns a really devastating draw into a, you know, into a really satisfying win. You know, the derby save is worth at least... Uh, well, three points, you'd probably say, in the end. And then, you know, where would we be today without that save? You know, we'd be talking about a a devastating setback to Liverpool's season, being dumped into the Europa League and facing the prospect of a trip to Ukraine or wherever on a Thursday night in in, in February. It's just the difference is absolutely vast. And, you know, instead, everyone's on this emotional high. Momentum has grown even more. Liverpool are top of the Premier League during the last 16 of the Champions League. They, they could not be in a better position at this stage of the season. As much about his technical skill as a goalkeeper, is it also that 
aura that he has about him, you know, because as James says, it's he beauty. fills the goal. Yeah, <laughs> very good here. Really good here. <laughs> Everton talk about Andre Gomez. I think Alison Becker can rival him on last week. But do you think it is about the the aura and the stature? Because yes, he makes himself big. I thought he was off his line really quickly and that's why it is such a good save because other keepers are on their line and Milik's got the entire goal to, to shoot at. The reason it looks like an all right, an easier save is because he's so good. But is it just the fact that Liverpool have got a bit like how Wan United had the hair for a while? I still do, to be fair, although he's had a bit of a dodgy season. You know, Liverpool got Alisson Becker in goal. We're going to have to be absolutely at our best to beat him today. It's almost like a confidence and I'd say an arrogance in Alisson's belief in himself. He just, like, he made the mistake against Leicester and he didn't let it, like, affect him. It was like, this is the way I play football. Like, this will happen. Um, this is how I, you know, I'm a goalkeeper. And it's, it's just, like, remarkable how good he is. I'm kind of watching him like, wow, because we've, you know, not to be thing on any of goalkeepers of our past, but we've had goalkeepers that have flapped, you know, quite famously. And he just seems like if anything bad would were to happen, he's kind of got that, and Van Dijk's got it as well. It's like just this sort of inner system where they're just like, we'll make mistakes, but we'll just sort of brush it off. Like, this is part of the game. And I feel like having that confidence is just doing incredible things for the sort of spine of the squad and then the team in general. And yeah, I just absolutely love him. Can't say it enough. I did. I mean, I think Simon Mignolet is really unfairly maligned at Liverpool, but he's the same height as Alison Becker. Would you believe that if I told you that? I don't know if it's the kit. I don't know if the kit is better. Than, I don't know, like if it makes it, the yellow makes him look big. But he just, the pink, the pink kit. I don't know, but he just, I think you're right, it's not pro- against Mignolet that. No, it's no, not no. against Mignolet. It's, it's, right, it's always Alisson. probably the right word, isn't it? Because he, he, he does just look like an absolute giant, doesn't he? And um, yeah, and like, you know, I think, his influence seemed to even extend off the field last night. It was funny afterwards where on, on a European night, there's a UEFA representative who's got a clipboard and um, it's always the nice, same lovely lady that comes on to every European game and she's there to basically make sure that the players walk through the mix zone and they don't have to stop to give interviews, but they, they have to walk through. And um, so we were waiting around and she was she was trying to work out who was left and who hadn't come through. And, so, and, to, and to be fair, Alison Becker doesn't, you know his English isn't great. He doesn't he doesn't do interviews in English anyway. So we wouldn't have got an interview with him. But you know he said I said I said oh I don't think Alison's been through. And she said, oh, she, she, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I just wanted to see him. Let, let just, him off. Just wanted to hold him. The um, and uh, and she just said oh no no it's his wife's birthday and um, we've said he can go. And I just thought that's brilliant. Yeah. That the fact that like, he's even even that oh, aura like asking- ex- yeah extends even off the pitch where. Um, where he's, she's obviously gone to him, well, you need to walk through that way because, you know, that's part of, it's my wife's birthday. And I think, yeah, to be fair to him, I think he also had to go up to the Carlsberg Lounge to, to get the man of the match for um, after that late save. But, uh, yeah, he's just a, a great fellow. Yeah, if it's his wife's and, birthday next week, we'll know that it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'm on Wikipedia. Mrs. Becker's actually born in July. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just didn't it's want not, to talk to James Pierce. Still, still not the greatest, the greatest mix zone excuse I've ever, I've ever heard, actually, was Martin Skirtle. Um, who this this would be going back a few this would go back a, maybe four or five years now, but I asked him to stop once and he said I can't because uh, Barbara's in the bath, and that was uh, so sorry. He said I said oh she's just texted me to say she's in the bath, and I thought oh, you can't argue with that, can you? So is that I, his wife? Barbara, Barbara? Barbara yeah. is his wife. Yeah, yeah. Should, yeah. Should, should I, I thought maybe that he had, he had like a, for the punch uh, yeah, he, he, had, he had a pet tortoise or something, <laughs> you know, just, the or turtle tortoises, <laughs> the ones on land, aren't they? Yeah, a pet turtle, turtle scale. <laughs> The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
The Blood Red Podcast. So not quite, yeah, not quite on that level. But um, yeah, Alisson managed to get away with one there. And he, he deserved his early dart last night because... Uh, He'd, uh, he'd he'd already delivered what Liverpool needed from him, and um, as you say, he's, he's delivered it, hasn't he? With with an absolute aplomb. I found it really strange at full time because I, I was sort of anticipating a very a big outpouring of relief and joy, and you know, I, I don't know if I had sort of Olympiacos still on my mind, but it felt really routine to me in terms of it was a little bit of a like, thank you very much for that, great. Now the business end, you know, we're through, but we expect it to be through and we're through. You know, does that sort of show you just how far Liverpool have come? The fact that there wasn't all this pomp, and don't get me wrong, on social media, everyone's loving it, everyone's made up, but ultimately Liverpool have come through a hard group, but they sort of just went, okay, great, great win. Now let's focus on Manchester United, the title and the last 16 of the Champions League. Yeah, because I mean, when it was James, you sort of clarified like what score we needed when we lost um, to Belgrade and it was kind of like okay so 1-0 and we were always just sort of thinking well we're not going to win 1-0 are we like we're going to have to go and score like 4 or whatever Yeah. so like we, we did do it the hard way but almost like the easy way because 1-0 was never an option for Liverpool but yeah it is now and it's like that was just so nice wasn't it could you imagine even last year 1-0 at home you need no a 1-0 chance. yeah it's just complete. and again that's down to Alisson yeah. it's down to Van Dijk just so it shows the whole evolution of the team and I think it shows the way that Klopp's changed as well, I think, yeah, of course, having world-class players back there helps, but there definitely has been a shift this season, you know, away from, you know, I think, I think he, he, he's almost been loath to talk about it when you've tried to bring up with him this season, but there's no doubt, I think, that he thought Liverpool couldn't enjoy an extended run as genuine Premier League title contenders and go a long way in the Champions League, playing that, you know, blitzkrieg football of, of of last season, and that they would have to rein it in, and and be more controlling in games, and 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 be less gung ho. Um, which you know, earlier on in the season, it it made for some games where which weren't particularly great spectacles. But you know, defensively, Liverpool have just looked absolutely uh, immense, and I think that kind of fuels the belief that they can last the pace this season because it's not you're not, you're not going into games anymore thinking. Liverpool are going to have to score at least three or four to win, because you know, as Kiva said, suddenly one nil. I mean, I'm like, uh, I I didn't think Liverpool would be capable of of grinding out. I thought I thought Napoli would score at one point. I thought I thought it would have Liverpool would have to score three. But um, you know, this is a team now that that is that are capable of of grinding out results as well as winning in style like they did at Bournemouth last weekend. The night wasn't without casualties, James. Just very quickly on that, um, James Milner went off. Trent Alexander Arnold went off. Ended up seeing Dejan Lovren playing as a right back, which is an experiment. I think nobody will ever want to see again. Um, you know, what can you tell us about Trent? What can you tell us a little bit about Milner and, and basically what it means for Manchester United on Saturday, on Sunday even? Yeah, I mean it is a worry with you know, so many big games coming coming back to back, and uh, you know, Matip went to hospital for tests on a shoulder injury, waiting for the verdict on him. Obviously, Trent is having a scan today on a foot injury. Um, Klopp didn't seem particularly concerned about Milner. He said it was just cramp uh, that forced him off. But, um, yeah, defensive issues ahead of United's visit to Anfield on Sunday. Um, you know, you'd imagine, I think probably Lovren, I think, would have started against United anyway, having been left mm-hmm. out last night. So I think him and Van Dijk, centre-back, is pretty much nailed on. Uh, you know, thankfully, it looks like Robertson came through okay. But, yeah, if Trent does miss out, and, uh, you know, I know he was in a lot of pain after the game, then you know with Gomez out as well, you know he is limited. You know you, you're suddenly relying on potentially Milner, who 
obviously did well there at Bournemouth, but it's a step up in class to play it right back against United if, you know, as long as he recovers in the next couple of days. Alternatively, we might even see Fabino there. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, I think that, that suddenly becomes a bit of a concern, doesn't it, about Sunday? The fact that, A, you've got the, the mental thing of having to come back down to earth after such an amazing night and then physically what it what it would have taken out of the players because that was a, a really intense game to to be a part of. I know United are playing 24 hours later, but, you know, with nothing riding on it and, you know, with Mourinho making massive changes. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I don't think there'll be too much done on the training ground at Melbourne in the next few few days. I think it will just be rest, recovery and, and ice baths and, and patching them up to try and keep this amazing momentum going on Sunday. I'm watching Alison save on repeat. Yeah. Yeah, just just keep on watching <laughs> it, lads. Uh, just very, very quickly then, um, we'll talk about Manchester United a little bit in more, well, in a lot more detail uh, tomorrow, Saturday, keep an eye out or an ear out for that on our uh, channels. But just very quickly, Liverpool into the last 16, James, who would you like in the last 16? Do you want me to give you the team? Because they're unseeded, the second. Yeah. Uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, Porto, Borussia Dortmund, and one of, as we recorded this before, the Wednesday night fixtures, Bayern Munich or Ajax. Bayern Munich are in the hot seat, the driving seat there. Yeah, I, I, I can understand people saying you want a, a Real Madrid or, a, or Barcelona because of the, the glamour of that, but I don't think you want them at this stage. It's glamorous in the semis. Yeah, <laughs> it's not glamorous yeah, in that can, yeah, the revenge mission against Ramos or the meeting with Coutinho, that can, that can wait for me. I think Porto... That's an option, yep. yeah. Yeah, 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 I think. Last year? Yeah. Valentine's Day? Um, yes. You remember? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely yeah. hammered I, down. Yeah, I, you know, that, you, you know, Liverpool, the, the, the draw was kind to Liverpool in the last 16, definitely last season. And, you know, yeah, I think Porto would be my pick from from that lot. They're the only team, really. I mean, Dortmund are absolutely flying in Germany. It's, it's one of those weird ones where even if Bayern are an option, I think Bayern would be a more palatable option than Dortmund. Yeah. So, what about you, Kiva? Any anyone? Yeah, I mean, you do sort of want the easier teams, so like Porto. But then at the same time, you've you've got to beat these teams eventually. So if you can't beat them now, when can you beat them? And I mean, it would be some story, wouldn't it, to knock Real Madrid out or something, or Coutinho's Barcelona? That would be, like you say, the sort of glamour. But you know, they are the semi-final games that you want. But it's about negotiating and getting yourself to the semi-final. So you do want an easy draw, like and just a good away trip as well. Yeah, that's the main thing. So some nice cities there anyone but Juventus <laughs> brilliant thank you very much for joining me James and Kiva uh, thank you for joining us as well uh, remember to subscribe raise our podcast let us know what you think um, and also obviously just tweet Popwell and say that we've been giving them plugs all throughout the show <laughs> um, because you know if we can get some free drinks it'd be much appreciated um, so thank you very much to, to the guests today uh, I've been Christian Walsh we'll be back talking about Manchester United later in the week uh, just save it Alison Becker's uh, fantastic save and uh, we'll see you soon take care bye for now you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo